Well, good morning and welcome to Your DIY Health Radio here on the Spreaker Radio Network and simulcasting on Free Conference Call. I'm your host, Sergeant Jim Ram, retired. You can call me Sarge. It's Tuesday, December 26, 2023. Happy day after Christmas. Hope everybody had a good time and uh, just uh, got a chance to relax and uh, remember what the day was all about. And this program is meant to provide natural healing information only and is in no way meant to replace the advice of a competent medical professional, assuming you can find one. I search for and present to my listeners natural modalities that simply assist and augment the body's ability to heal itself. And with that in mind, we invite you to visit our website, yourdiyhealth.com. That's Y-O-U-R-D-I-Y, like do-it-yourself, health, H-E-A-L-T-H, yourdiyhealth.com. There's all kinds of information there. All the products are there, including the terahertz frequency devices, which are featured prominently at the top of the home page. We have the um, old standby, the iTeraCare products, which we've been dealing with for about a year and a half, and uh, great products, and uh, they uh, have helped a lot of people get rid of a lot of stuff. And uh, then we have the new kit on the block, the Olilife products, the P90 and the Cell Essentials Wand. And um, they take this stuff to a whole new level. Uh, the P90 not only has terahertz frequencies, but also pulsed electromagnetic frequencies, which between the two of those things, they radiate through your body. You know, from it's a foot device. You just uh, plug it in, turn it on, select your power level, put your feet on it, and... Um, Actually, you have to put your feet on it after you turn it on because that's what activates the system and gets it actually going. But um, you select your power level, 1 through 10, 10 being the highest, and um, just sit there for 30 minutes and watch TV, read a book, take a nap, listen to music, whatever you want to do, nothing else. You don't have to do anything but sit there with your feet on this device. And at the end of 30 minutes, you won't believe how much gooder you're going to feel. <laughs> it's just amazing. And then, of course, they have the uh, Cell Essentials Wand, which is absolutely amazing. And it comes with a $200 oscillating base as part of the price. Something that a lot of people uh, wish they had, have a hard time finding, and pay at least 200 bucks for when they do find one. And it's part of the deal. Along with a really, really nice uh, heavy-duty traveling case to carry all of it. And... Uh, but uh, I, am, I have to update the website because over the weekend, they changed their ordering process. So um, you can go to the website and see information, but for the Oli Life products, do not order yet. Um, if you want to order, make sure that you go to Oli Processing, O-L-Y-P-R-O-S, or P-R-O-C-E-S-S-I-N-G.com, OliProcessing.com. That is where you place your orders from this point forward, and um, they accept uh, credit cards and all that good stuff. Um, and my information, you know, because you have to put in a um, the person who referred you, and it's Jim Ram, J-I-M-R-A-M-M, and my ID number, which is on the website, um, right by the, the current order form, but you don't want to click that order form. I just haven't had a chance. I just found out about it late last night. And I'll try and get the uh, website updated today uh, with the new link. But um, 
it's just they're just amazing devices uh we are in uh pre um what is it uh, pre-launch here in the u.s they'll be rolling out um right after the first of the year going official and within the next week or so we should have our own ordering websites which uh, then i'll have to update the website again <laughs> but that's okay i want to keep it up to date so people can have the easiest uh, and most direct process for placing an order um these devices are absolutely phenomenal and i have them all i also have everything that uh, iteracare makes and i have compared them and the only life products are second to none they are absolutely a game changer uh, not saying that the iteracare products aren't great they are and a lot of people have had a lot of really good results it's just that the only life products take it to a whole new level so i encourage you to check things out and if you have any questions comments or problems or anything hit the contact me button send an email or call and leave a message and i will get back with you as quick as possible and do everything i can to get you on the right track get your questions answered and all that good stuff also while you're on the main website be sure and hit the radio shows tab at the top of the page is the link to our archive page set up through castbox.fm and then right below that is the rumble button if you click that it'll take you right to our brand new rumble page every show we've done since the beginning of october uh, is there now and we encourage you to follow the page like the uh, shows and uh, that will cause their algorithm to kick it out to more people so more folks can learn how to restore their health naturally rather than uh, resorting to a lifetime roller coaster ups and downs of dangerous drugs surgery and dreaded lethal injections known as vaccines yes you don't want to get involved in that don't if you've got children don't get them started on that stuff do some research and uh, i think you'll find out that uh, natural holistic way is the best way it's also god's way so uh, take that for what it's worth uh, to me it's worth everything and that's kind of what we're going to be talking about today but before we do um scroll down a little further you'll see the information on the shows we do when they're on and how you listen and at the bottom of the page is the link to the facebook page set up for the show as well as the telegram channel now keep in mind the topics discussed opinions mentioned on this show are those of the host and or guests and don't necessarily represent the opinions of the Spreaker radio network free conference call rumble any of the other platforms we're on or any of the alphabet agencies out there listening in Nothing we say on this show should be construed as an attempt to diagnose, treat, or cure any kind of a health or wealth issue. It's all here for your education and entertainment purposes only, so that as a responsible adult, you can use this show as a jumping-off point to do your own research and due diligence to make sure that what you're doing and what you're trying is right for you. All righty then. Um, let's see. I think that's all we need to say for today. Um, it's just amazing what's going on. Um, like i said yesterday being christmas uh, everything was closed down and all that good stuff my wife and i just stayed home and relaxed she spent the day watching lifetime and hallmark movies and all that kind of stuff and i spent the day reading for the most part looked at a few of the shows every once in a while but for the most part i was researching and studying and one of the things i was looking at was my one of my new favorite books <laughs> which is called trust me i'm not a doctor an uncontrolled study of modern medicine by tracy northern and uh, this is an absolutely fantastic book it's available on amazon and wherever you can find books um i'm sure you can find it just about anywhere 
uh, Barnes and Noble, Borders, all that kind of stuff. But um, really, really, really good book. She does a great job of researching, finding things. And um, one of the sections, I uh, can't remember which chapter it is, but um, it's, uh, the, it's a, the chapter is called Contagion. And it talks about, you know, the, the typical um, stuff, you know, smallpox, tuberculosis, um, and Spanish flu, and basically explains because, and this is something that's going to be covered heavily in a later chapter, basically dealing with the germ theory, but um, one of the things they she deals with is, you know, the germ theory has been refuted over and over and over again. It has never, ever, ever been proven. Every single experiment they have done trying to infect people and literally you know they've done you know they have control groups they have the whole shoot and match where they've done studies taking blood snot uh saliva um you name it any kind of discharge you can think of from a sick person and hey injected into healthy people and never once in the history of all this stuff have they ever been able to infect somebody and get them sick if they were, you know, not sick in the first place? So this idea that if you are around someone who is sick, that they're going to give you whatever it is they've got is absolute baloney. And much of it is psychosomatic. And toxins nutritional deficiencies, things like that are what actually causes a lot of this stuff. Uh, basically, the smallpox, for example, they track that pretty much to the Industrial Revolution. Um, and, uh, well, let me just cover some of it here. So smallpox is always linked to, in the, to the Industrial Revolution. It affected mostly city dwellers and industrial towns. Pollution was rife, the air was contaminated with all manner of poisonous gases and chemicals, which also rained down on people like acid rain. There is no doubt in my mind this was an occupational disease caused by exposure to the noxious chemicals used in all the growing industries. Not only was it raining down from all the factory chimneys, but workers were coming home covered in God knows what and getting into bed with their wives and children who all lived in squalor. Children were also put to work in the factories from a young age. You can read all about the many diseases and symptoms caused by the industry in a book called Diseases of Occupational and Vocational Hygiene by George M. Kober. It's also covered heavily in Dissolving Illusions by Suzanne Humphreys and Roman Bistrianic. I think the whole I think it's the whole second chapter deals with the absolute disgusting conditions in the cities during the industrial revolution anyway going on it was noticed at the time by jenner the father of vaccination that milkmaids did not get smallpox because they'd had cowpox i've heard theories online that this was because they drank milk but everyone else drank milk too though it had formaldehyde added to it for the townies to hide the sour taste as it went off or spoiled so it was more likely uh, because they lived in the countryside 
where they had fresh air and fresh food. Uh, let's see. In the cities and towns, uh, food in the cities and towns was not so fresh or cheap, but often putrid. Few could afford the good stuff. Treatments for smallpox were also, of course, extremely toxic. Yes, they smothered you in toxic, caustic chemicals to kill the bugs. Similar uh, was applied to bedding to kill bed bugs, which they thought was causing it too. Did they mistake flea bites for smallpox? Probably in some cases. Edward Jenner, a Freemason, invented the first vaccine for smallpox, basing his theory on the variolation technique imported from Turkey and his milkmaid cowpox theory. The milkmaid story turned out to be a myth, too. Just a milkmaid's tale, pure heresy. Or hearsay, excuse me. Could go either way. Eleanor McBean pointed out in the 1950s in her book, The Poison Needle, which is a good book also to have, that cowpox was actually bovine syphilis. Jenner was injecting pus from cow syphilis sores into people to prevent them from getting smallpox, and doctors with brains believed this crap. Same thing we have in this day and age. Look at what was going on with the COVID jab, and the doctors, oh yeah, they're safe and effective, you need to get one of these, you should get every booster too. Huh. Smallpox took off big time since, uh, once the vaccines started rolling out and rates skyrocketed. More people died after vaccines than did before them. In 1871-72 England, with 98% of the population aged between 2 and 50 vaccinated against smallpox, experienced the worst ever smallpox outbreak with 45,000 deaths. During the same period in Germany, with a vaccination rate of 96%, there were over 125,000 deaths from smallpox, allegedly. Leicester experiment proved that it was the vaccines causing deaths after they quarantined themselves, yes, the whole city, and refused the mandatory vaccine. They had the lowest smallpox case and death rate in the whole of England. A similar experiment was done in America with, similar, uh, same, with the same results. Smallpox was never eradicated. If we look at it from, in, uh, from a uh, symptomatology perspective, Chicken pox, monkey pox, any pox, measles, hives, and any skin-based detox can be lumped in as the pox with just varying degrees of severity. If we apply the three rules and ignore germ theory, smallpox is poisoning of the skin, possibly misdiagnosis too, but also would have to include malnutrition, internal poisoning from poisons in food and water, and then there was also the stress of awful living conditions. Even bedbugs were implicated. And of course, then they go on to tuberculosis, the so-called Spanish flu. And uh, one of the interesting things, I'm just going to read a little part here. From January 21 to June 4, 1918, an experimental bacterial meningitis vaccine cultured in horses by the Rockefeller Institute for Medical Research in New York was injected into soldiers at Fort Riley, Kansas. They had around 6 million soldiers to experiment on. World War I U.S. soldiers were given 14 to 25 untested experimental vaccines within days of each other, which triggered intensified cases of all the diseases at once. 
they decided to reclassify this as a new disease, a.k.a. Spanish flu. How did all the people at home start dying when the soldiers came home uh, if it wasn't contagious? Answer, well, they didn't want them to catch it, so they got vaccinated too. Imagine that. An American called Eleanor McBean, who wrote The Poison Needle, uh, whose parents were doctors at the time, wrote that only the vaccinated died. Her unvaccinated parents caught nothing from the sick people they treated. They spent days, days and days in people's houses with poor ventilation, all the windows closed, and all this junk, dealing with people that had this so-called highly contagious illness, and they never caught it. Imagine that. Another culprit seems to be the newly invented wonder drug, aspirin. People were given doses as high as 400 times the lethal dose we use today as soon as they showed symptoms. There was, of course, hysteria going on in the UK surrounding the news of deaths from the new contagious disease, plus soldiers already suffering post-traumatic stress were committing suicide and even murder in their madness. Even this madness was blamed on the flu, not the war. Treatments in UK were ridiculous too. I found this, is, this interesting snippet on a BBC article. Viruses were not well understood at the time and doctors were at a loss as to how to treat people. Cures, air quotes around them, range from standard camphor and quinine to alcohol. Whiskey in particular was sworn as the cure, says Mrs. Maudsley. But some more extreme cures like creosote and um, strychnine were used. Basically, people were so desperate they would try anything. Their viruses hadn't even been invented yet, love. <laughs> Autopsies after the war proved that the 1918 flu was not a flu at all. It was caused by random dosages of an experimental bacterial meningitis vaccine which to this day mimics flu-like symptoms. The massive multiple assaults with additional vaccines on the unprepared immune system of soldiers and civilians created a killing field. Those that were not vaccinated were not affected. So yet again, it seems vaccines and drugs were the cause of this plague. Maybe add in a splash of injury and stress from the war too. Uh, the fun one here is polio. This is a kicker. Polio, the pro-vaxxer's favorite poster plague and the easiest to debunk. Polio cropped up around orchards which had been sprayed with arsenic as a pesticide to kill bu bugs which might spoil the apples. The same thing happened when a new color, Paris green, became the rage and was added to paints and wallpapers with the secret ingredient arsenic. Originally, polio was classified as any paralysis of parts of the body. Nurse and Sister Kenny demonstrated to doctors and the world that it wasn't necessarily a paralysis at all, but a muscle spasm, and treated it with massage and heat pack successfully. She was ignored, of course. They didn't want that sort of cure. <laughs> yeah, they're always looking for a drug, something they can patent and get rich off of. Anything that's natural and easy and unpatentable 
is verboten. We don't want that kind of stuff because we, those kind of cures are just not acceptable. Symptoms called polio always followed pesticide use. DDT was the next big one after they banned old arsenic. It was hailed as a cure-all and sprayed freely on children and public spaces like swimming baths. And for more information on that, I suggest you watch the uh, uh, Space Busters video, The End of the Germ Theory. They actually have video or footage from uh, the day back in the 50s when they were doing that. And you would see these big trucks driving down a street with kids playing, and they're just spraying clouds of DDT on everything. Spraying it over swimming pools while people were in the pools swimming. Pumping it, you know, actually using it to delouse people. They, you know, have people standing in line and they have these little hand pump spray things that they'd be sticking it into people's shirts and clothing and just blowing us clouds of DDT all over them. Just amazing what this, the stupidity that people were doing. Anyway, we've all heard the tales of kids catching polio after visiting the pool, but no one put two and two together. Or maybe they did. Because, hey, money to be made. So along came the vaccines. First off, killed more kids than the swimming pools did. Look up the cutter incident. Then another, another vaccine with the same, at the same time, a new definition of polio. Yeah, as soon as they came out with the jabs, then they redefined polio. Because people were still getting the same symptoms, which couldn't possibly be polio after vaccination, they decided to say they had meningitis instead. When I first heard this, I had to find proof and went to look at the old CDC stats, and sure enough, the year of the Salk vaccine, was um, the numbers for meningitis and polio swapped over exactly. Saw it with my own eyes. No doubt it's gone from now, uh, now from the web, but there's still evidence of these swap uh, status uh, statistic swaps, thanks to the Wayback Machine. July 1955, before the new polio definition was introduced, you had recorded cases of polio, 273, reported cases of aseptic meningitis, 50. July 1961, after the new polio definition was introduced, reported cases of polio, 65, Reported cases of aseptic meningitis, 161. And then September 1966, after the new polio definition was introduced, you had reported cases of polio, only five, and reported cases of aseptic meningitis, 256. Same symptomology, just a different name, because once you're vaccinated, you can't possibly get polio, so instead you get the same disease, only it's called aseptic meningitis imagine that cases of polio were more often reported as aseptic meningitis after the vaccine was introduced skewing efficacy rates and the source los angeles county health index morbidity and mortality reportable diseases and they show a graph where prior to 1955 you had polio aseptic meningitis and coxsackle virus uh, are reported as polio and the numbers go up from 1935 to 1950, and then they start their decline. And then you have, in 1955, the new definition of polio, 
and after that time, polio, aseptic meningitis, and coxsackle virus infections are recorded as separate diseases. So the numbers drop. Again, when they're looking at cases of polio, they're all being called something else, even though it's exactly the same disease. In 1977, Dr. Jonas Salk, who developed the first polio vaccine, testified along with other scientists that mass inoculation against polio was the cause of most polio cases throughout the United States since 1961. And that number is true to today. All recorded cases of so-called polio now are determined to be from the polio vaccines. Yet we still give them. Imagine that. So ignoring the unproven contagious notion, it's safe to say polio is poisoning specifically of the nervous system caused by nerve poisons, which coincidentally are also an ingredient in most vaccines. (laughs) Polio is never eradicated as many after effects of vaccines are the same thing given a new name. They even made vaccines for the new names for the same disease. So in other words, once we had new diseases, we were calling everything. Then they came out with a vaccine for those as well. So the just, this just keeps on going. Like meningitis B and now the menosy, A-C-W-Y. I've never heard of that one, but, you know, they keep doing it. Clever, huh? Some of the new polio names include, and you've heard a lot of these, Guillain-Barre syndrome, multiple sclerosis, ME, and I'm not sure what that is, meningitis in all forms, ALS or amyotrophic lateral sclerosis, which is also known as Lou Gehrig's disease, <coughs> transverse myelitis, Bell's palsy, non-paralytic polio, etc., etc. Any vaccine can cause polio-like symptoms, which they will never call polio. And then they cover HIV and AIDS, another joke, uh, COVID-19 and (laughs) COVID-19. And they just keep telling the same story over and over and over because people just buy it every single time. We got this new novel virus. Now we have to infect you with a new vaccine. And the interesting thing was with, uh, with AIDS is... Normally, when you sit, you know, people are said to have um, uh, antibodies, that means you're allegedly immune to whatever the disease is. You know, if you got the measles antibodies, then you're not going to get measles and so on and so forth. But with AIDS, it was totally different. If you were said to have the AIDS antibodies, you were infected and you could get, you know, the HIV antibodies, I should say you could end up getting full-blown AIDS. So they just turn things over completely. It's just weird. And um, then, of course, one big change that came with AIDS care was the hyping of condoms laced with chemical spermicides, which are just another pesticide, which I personally suspect caused another manufactured and overdiagnosed epidemic called cervical cancer which they also managed to invent a new scapegoat virus for HPV (laughs) and a new vaccine, which until before the uh, COVID jabs were rolled out, the HPV vaccines, especially Gardasil 19 or Gardasil 9 or whatever it was, 
was the most deadly vaccine on the market, but can't hold a candle to the COVID jabs. Unfreaking real. <laughs> oh my goodness. And of course, what did they use to test people for HIV? Imagine this. Wait for it. The PCR test. And PCR does not find viruses. It finds little strands of DNA. And as Carrie Mullins, Mullis, uh, the inventor of it, said, just by turning up the number of cycles, you can find anything and anybody at any time. Imagine that. What a great thing to use if you want to make sure everybody's diagnosed as positive with whatever you're talking about. But the inventor said it should never, ever, ever be used for diagnosing illness. Anyway, and it goes on and on and on. And then we have a, a very interesting thing. Um, we are not contagious vectors. There's no such thing as an asymptomatic carrier. You cannot catch disease just like you cannot catch health. Hmm. A fear which prevents you from living could actually be the death of you if you carry on believing this nonsense so go hug someone and let's get back to living instead of just surviving. All compulsory vaccination should immediately be abolished. And this is a statement from whom and when you'll be find it interesting. And that is con uh, continuation with these proofs against it would be a most gross medical blunder and malpractice and a grave violation of basic American principle of inherent individual rights. In being a serious menace to human health and life, a frequent cause of widespread epidemics and demonstrably more fatal in many instances than natural disease itself, and therefore a shocking violation of all true medical ethics and a disgrace alike to modern medicine and modern legislation or modern legislation modern legislation which should no longer tolerate the practice quote from charles m higgins december 1919 <laughs> and then uh, don lester co-author of the book what really makes you ill another great book i got a copy downstairs has written an excellent article which will fill any holes that I've left. Here's a couple snippets from her article. It's interesting to note that the origin of the word contagion is the Latin contagio, which only refers to direct contact. But as the Merriam-Webster definition shows, it is now regarded as involving indirect as well as direct contact. This, of course, allows the medical establishment to claim that so-called infectious agents can be spread through the air or through indirect contact by people touching the same surfaces, despite the fact that none of these modes of transmission has, have been proven scientifically to occur. In other words, no one's ever proven it. They just come up with this crap and talk about it like it's the real McCoy. This change of meaning has also enabled the medical establishment to use the words infection and contagion virtually interchangeably, even though this does not reflect their original meaning. Unfortunately, as we discuss in detail in our book, What Really Makes You Ill, the medical establishment operates from the basis of a flawed understanding of disease, which is not an entity that attacks the body indiscriminately to cause the symptoms of illness, 
Instead, the symptoms associated with what are called infectious diseases represent the body's effort to expel toxins, repair damage, and restore health. This is explained by Herbert Shelton in his book, Natural Hygiene, Man's Pristine Way of Life, in which he he refers to acute disease and states that this term refers to vital action in someone or all of the living tissues or organs in resisting and expelling injurious substances and influences and in repairing damages. The significance of this statement, which cannot be overstated, is that it demonstrates the true nature of disease and the purpose of the symptoms produced by the body. It is therefore important to recognize that the symptoms each person experiences will be unique to them because of their unique exposures to the injurious substances and influences that affect their bodies. Imagine that. So all along... Most of it is stuff that you've been exposed to, like toxins or lack of nutrition. And uh, the other one is mental issues. Anyway, I'm going to have this next chapter. It's called, What Are People Dying From? (laughs) And uh, I'm just going to look at a few things. A John Hopkins study said that there were no excess deaths in 2020. Imagine that. First, John Hopkins University, in an official newsletter, reported that by its independent review of CDC data, there are no excess deaths in 2020. Oh, really? Well, we had daily reports on the news. We had so many COVID deaths, so many this, so many that. But the thing is, is all other death causes virtually disappeared i mean the best thing i mean covid19 basically cured the flu we had you know normally you have thirty thousand people a year die from flu not a one this year hmm, or in 2020 everything was just reclassified including car accidents and all the other things that cause people to die normally all became covid because of course when somebody's you know hitting a car wreck or something They end up at the hospital. First thing that happens when they get to the hospital, whether they're dead or alive, is they're tested for COVID. And, of course, they turn up the cycles on the test so that they, of course, will test positive. And then it's ruled a COVID death rather than a, you know, dismemberment from a car wreck or, you know, falling from an airplane and your parachute didn't open. Yep, that's COVID. (laughs) And they did that just to make sure the numbers for COVID were sky high. And, of course, they figured that the generally dumb public wouldn't notice, and they didn't. John Hopkins is a pillar of the medical and academic establishments and has been one of the official voices on the COVID issue. The notion of excess deaths is at the foundation of the claim that there is a pandemic happening. Any other year, the scenario would have made headlines and there would have been a follow-up by National Press Corps. COVID-19 mainly affects the elderly, and experts expected an increase in the percentage of deaths in older age groups. However, this increase is not seen from the CDC data. In fact, the percentages of deaths among all ages remained relatively the same. Universally published this in its official newsletter. Quoting, 
These data analyses suggest that in contrast to most people's assumptions, the number of deaths by COVID-19 is not alarming. In fact, it has relatively no effect on deaths in the United States, the article continues. And of course, this caused a, such an uproar that five days later, the administration tried to walk back the article claiming it was issuing a retraction to stop the spread of misinformation, as we noted on social media. They revert to the authority of the same CDC whose data and papers authors analyzed, ignoring their own findings and declaring 300,000 dead Americans over the norm. (laughs) So first they're saying no extra deaths. Now we're saying 300,000 more. It's impossible to dismiss this as a conspiracy theory or to say it's the result of some oversight. It was a statistical study by one of the most prestigious institutions in the world. Yeah, but they put out the wrong word and they got in trouble for it and they had to back it up. Anyway, it goes on and lots and lots of interesting stuff. Um, Let's see here. I'm just scrolling through here. Ah, here we go. Thanks to mass murderer Dr. Fauci. Remdesivir was the only approved treatment for COVID-19 patients. Yet up until then, it had never been approved to treat anything, and in every trial, experimental drug remdesivir was deadly. It was proved ineffective, causing more damage. And Fauci knew the experimental drug remdesivir was deadly, yet mandated it anyway. It's dangerous dog poison people's kidneys, which caused their lungs to fill with fluid and mucus until they drowned or were put on ventilators that killed 97% of them. Likewise, during the 1980s, Fauci discouraged and prevented inexpensive treatments for AIDS while exclusively pushing AZT or azithromycin. I think it is. Azithromycin. Okay. Anyway. A failed chemotherapy drug that, like remdesivir, was also extremely toxic and fatal that the inventor didn't even think it was worth patenting. This drug is what ultimately killed hundreds of thousands of AIDS patients, not HIV. Worth noting that both for-profit mass murder by pharmaceutical drug schemes relied on the fraudulent misuse of the RT-PCR test to diagnose the virus. With a track record like Fauci's, it should be no surprise when a death tally from the clot shots he's been pushing far exceeds the number of deaths from AZT, Remdesivir, and even that of World War II put together. And that's from Jamie Scott Breinberg. The mysterious death of Dr. Fauci's most notable critic, Carrie B. Mullis, who was the inventor of the PCR test, 1993 Nobel Prize winning inventor of it, explains why the PCR test cannot be used as a reliable medical diagnostic tool, but can be used as a deceptive snake oil selling tool. A video on BitChute also refers to his death just months before the Corona's epidemic was being rolled out into public awareness was a suspiciously convenient event for the pandemic promoters. This is from a post that she wrote on March 8th, 2020. 
Some worrying at eye-opening statements from Dr. Inglesby of John Hopkins University Hospital. Overall uh, mortality of this disease is difficult to calculate because of the different ways we are diagnosing the disease. The more we do diagnosis, the more that will drive down the overall case fatality rate. We need to expand diagnostic testing. (laughs) Oh my goodness. In China, we've seen at least 20% have no symptoms, which makes containing the disease particularly challenging. Oh, yeah, how are you going to contain a disease where the people don't have any symptoms? (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Absolute craziness. But the interesting thing here, despite all the insane cruelty to our grandparents and actual death stats did not even blip, In other words, the things they did to people, especially the old folks. Let me back this up a little bit. Um, Let's see here. Io. Did you know that officially iatrogenic death is the number number three killer in the world? In other words, iatrogenic, you know, that means death by medicine. And they don't even count the deaths from chemo, radiation, and statin drugs amongst the official stats. If we add those in, instead of lying and lumping them under heart disease and cancer, doctors are the number one killer, which is what I've been saying all along. Just get a copy of Death by Medicine off the uh, support info tab on my website, free PDF, and you'll find that. It's doctors are killers. Where does everyone die these days? Under the care of doctors. This known fact was added to with the way they changed the whole protocol of hospital admissions. The PPE, or personal protective equipment, the PCR testing, and then the ridiculous panic treatment of inducing comas and putting people onto ventilators, therefore raising their chance of dying to 80%. Very few people recover from ventilation. The old folks were also given a very hard time of it. Isolated from all their loved ones, Alone and distressed, they were basically starved to death, put on a DNR or do not resuscitate notice, withheld water, and now it turns out they were also drugged with a euthanizing drug called midazolam. Yeah, it's one of the drugs they use for uh, lethal injections for criminals. Now we all know that all those old folks were already dying in the homes before any mention of covid But what is really sad is they were hurried along towards their demise and they died alone without their loved ones to say goodbye. That is criminal as well as genocide. Despite all the insane cruelty to our old grandparents, the actual death stats did not even blip. They were completely normal for that age age range. So in answer to the other question, not sure if you are certain it was a serious one, Is the death merely a result of fear? I'm pretty sure fear played a big part in it. Yes, amongst other things. And this is something I've been saying all along. COVID is social Munchausen syndrome or fictitious disorder. Factitious. (laughs) Imposed socially via extensive, uh, intensive media propaganda and coercive social reinforcement. 
Munchausen syndrome is a mental disorder in which a person repeatedly and deliberately acts as if he or she has a physical or mental illness when he or she is really not sick. With COVID, the disorder is imposed socially by the state and monopolized corporate media and economic network employers and commercial distributors, as well as by the infected carriers of the disorder themselves, colloquially known as Karens or COVIDians. If you do not believe people can die just through the power of the mind, take a look at this gruesome experiment. My interest in psychological and constantly or psycho- psychological was constantly aroused by clinical observations and by studying the encyclopedic literature. A report in an Indian medical periodically killed by the imagination left an indelible impression early in my career. Get this. A Hindu physician was authorized by prison authorities to conduct an astonishing astonishing experiment on a criminal condemned to death by hanging. The doctor persuaded the prisoner to permit himself to be exsanguinated or bled to death, assuring him that death, though gradual, would be painless. The effect on agreeing, or the convict on agreeing, was strapped to a bed and blindfolded. Vessels filled with water were hung at each of the four bedposts and set up to drip into basins on the floor. The skin on his four extremities was scratched, and the water began to drip into the containers. In other words, this guy thought the water dripping was his blood dripping. Initially fast, then progressively slowing. By degrees, the prisoner grew weaker a condition reinforced by the physicians intoning in a lower and lower voice. So he was dropping his voice levels to make the guy think that he was fading. Finally, the silence was absolute as the dripping of water ceases. Although the prisoner was a healthy young man, at the completion of the experiment when the water flow stopped, he appeared to have fainted. On examination, however, He was found to be dead, despite not having lost a single drop of blood. That is how powerful the mind is. Over the centuries, a wealth of similar anecdotes has been amassed. The medical profession has long known that nervous inactivity influences every part of the body. Nearly 350 years ago, William Harvey, discoverer of the circulation of the blood, stated, Every affection of the mind that is attended with either pain or pleasure, hope or fear, is the cause of an agitation whose influence extends to the heart. IBN Zena, California, let's see here. Islamic philosopher and physician explains the seriousness of stress and fear for human health. An epidemic was going, and this is a little story, an epidemic was going to one of the cities. A man watched it and asked him, where are you going, epidemic? The epidemic replied, I go to this city to kill a thousand of its people. When the epidemic came out of the city, the man said to him, how hard you are. You killed 20,000 people of the city. The epidemic replied, I only killed a thousand. The rest 
killed themselves by delusion and fear. Delusion is half the disease. Reassurance is half the medicine. Again, and this is where I was, I've been saying all along, a lot of the deaths from COVID were caused by people's minds and people's minds alone. People are around other people who turn out to end up allegedly showing symptoms and being sick. And of course, they're diagnosed with COVID. And then someone else who was around them said, oh my goodness, I was around them. That means I'm going to get it too. And they do. And they die when they were perfectly healthy before that. That is how powerful the mind is. There's a lot of speculation that death rates would spike because people were not able to get the treatment that they needed during lockdowns and hospital closures, but from what we know of iatrogenic death, I would have to disagree and say that death rates will probably fall as people are not being poisoned with pharmaceutical drugs. But we shall have to wait for those figures to prove me right. And we've already seen that that's the case when it comes to children, because during the lockdowns, children weren't going to their so-called well-baby checkups and getting their, their vaccines on a regular basis. And according to Dr. Rima Labo, that resulted in 700 children per week not dying from childhood vaccines because they weren't getting them. That's right, 700 kids a week die after getting childhood vaccines at their so-called well-baby checkups. And that doesn't even speak to the ones that live but end up with autism, lifetime asthma, neurodegenerative diseases, uh, cognitive issues, learning disabilities, and on and on and on. All in all, the actual death figures during this pandemic have not changed considerably. In fact, they are lower than average. Therefore, there could not be any, uh, could not be any pandemic at all. People die every day. Stop you attributing their deaths to a fictitious virus. It is not on us to prove that there is no virus. Besides, it's impossible to significantly prove a negative. The onus is on you to prove there is a virus. And this is a powerful statement. Remember this quote from Christopher Hitchens. Forgotten were the elementary rules of logic that extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence and that what can be asserted without evidence can also be dismissed without evidence. And that's exactly what's going on here. They claim there's a virus, but they don't have any proof of it. So we can say, no, there isn't, and we don't have to prove it either. Been saying for a very long time that the aptly named invisible virus is more than likely just pneumonia reclassified. Out of all the so-called COVID deaths, COVID pneumonia was on the death certificates 1,804 times out of 2,156 reported. When you dig deeper, you can find other almost identical characteristics of COVID. 550 to 1,000 out of every 100,000 get the cap or um, COVID pneumonia, I think, or whatever, uh, which is community-acquired pneumonia. That's it, community-acquired pneumonia, uh, which is, um, and around uh, 1% of those die. And the interesting thing is they sent in a FOIA request asking uh, for the total number of deaths recorded as a result of number of the following 
understand the new classification of pneumonia came out called COVID pneumonia. Is this correct? And the thing is, is there's no code for it. There's a, you know, the, I think it's the World Health Organization puts out, they call it ICD coding. And each cause of death has a code. Well, COVID pneumonia does not. Even after 16 months of being used as a cause of death, it still doesn't have an actual designation. Uh, if so, can you please provide stats for how many people have this as the cause of death from March 2020 in Northern Ireland? Can you also provide how many people have died from pneumonia in each of the last five years in Northern Ireland? Can you please provide how many um, people have died from the flu in the last five years in Northern Ireland? Given that ventilator associated pneumonia, or VAP, is a common nonsocomial infection, affecting up to 20% of patients admitted to intensive care units. Um, VAP is associated with a two to, two to seven-fold increased risk of death, according to this uh, British Medical Journal article. Firstly, why are you using ventilators to treat patients? And secondly, why are you doing um, to differentiate? What are you doing to differentiate between COVID pneumonia and other types of pneumonia? Their response is interesting. I can confirm the department holds some of the information requested. However, FOI exemption section 21, in other words, information is accessible by other means. So in other words, if, if there's another way of getting the information, they don't have to answer it as a Freedom of Information Act request. Anyway, uh, if Freedom of Information is available by other means applies as some of the information is reasonably accessible by other means. The Northern Ireland Statistics and Research Agency co uh, collates data on registrations of death. Number one, based on the World Health Organization ICD-10 cause of death coding framework, which is used to identify the underlying main cause of death, there is no formal classification of COVID pneumonia therein. However, COVID and pneumonia or COVID pneumonia has been referred to by medics when certifying deaths. Two, there is no official ICD code for COVID pneumonia. A text uh, search has been carried out where COVID pneumonia or COVID and pneumonia appear anywhere on death certificates from the analysis. 1,804 cases were found since March 2020 up to uh, 18 June 2022. So to end with, what, uh, what was everyone dying of during COVID? Let's ask a death register what they think. This is their response. It's the doctor's preference and his medical opinion, yet the national attention given, medical research dollars, and yearly health choices we all make are swayed by whichever cause this particular doctor, with his or her own particular training and personality, decides to jot down on the worksheet and send back to me to enter into the official record. <laughs> In other words, it's whatever the heck they think. With this in mind, remember the funding hospitals were offered, the funding that hospitals were offered for every COVID death they put down, and you decide what you think they will write in that cause of death bracket. In other words, when you're getting paid to list it as a COVID death, and you don't get paid if you don't list it, if you list it as something else, like what really caused it, they're going to list it as a COVID death because they're going to make more money. And then there are the suicide and drug overdose rates which I haven't even touched on here, and yet still the death rates did not reflect a pandemic. 
Finally, there's also the vaccine and 5G trials, which probably made a lot of people very sick in the first place, making the bogus treatments also worse than useless. Covered in something you should know, which is another chapter. So, anyway, that takes us up to the chapter that I'm now working on. What if cancer is not a disease but a cure? (laughs) Some very interesting stuff they talk about in that chapter. Um, So, anyway, I thought I would cover that um, and get a little bit of uh, information out there that, you know, most people aren't thinking. Now to shift gears a little bit, last Thursday we talked about urine therapy. I played a video by Dr. Edward Group, uh, the 12, um, I think it was the top 12 uses for urine therapy, I believe, which if you haven't seen it, you go find go to YouTube and find Dr. Edward Group, G-R-O-U-P, and um, just type in urine therapy and it'll come up. Uh, really, really good video. And it reminded me of something that I had not tried yet, which is snorting or inhaling urine. And um, if you've been listening for any time at all, uh, about two weeks ago, my voice was getting kind of funky and I had some sinus congestion, I guess you could call it. And um, it was still, even though my voice got better last week, it was still... um, an issue the congestion you know a lot of snot and it's really weird uh several years ago some friends talked me into trying uh, living streams probiotics i ordered a bottle of the stuff and that's when this particular situation began which was pink snot (laughs) and i had gotten rid it totally gone away it took quite a while but i finally had gotten rid of it just through natural stuff and it came back when I got my voice issue. And um, for the last couple of weeks, it was really, you know, it was, it was a standard thing. Every time I blew my nose, I'd have bunches and bunches of this pink snot coming out. And oddly enough, after uh, replaying Dr. Group's video last Thursday, I... Um, basically started you know kick-started my urotherapy again and i had uh, a little you know the old nasal decongestant atomizer type pump sprayers that you use to normally it's the stuff the decongestant sprays that you squirt up your nose to you know free up your breathing well instead i have one of those bottles but as Dr. Group recommended, rinse it out real good with hydrogen peroxide and water and all that. I rinsed it completely, filled it with fresh urine, and began doing three pumps in each nostril several times a day. And by Friday, and this, like I said, I started this Thursday afternoon, by Friday morning, that uh, pink snot was all but gone. Uh, very little discharge when I blow my nose, just a little teeny bit, and it would be clear. But the pink snot was gone, and um, I was breathing much better. Uh, it wasn't waking me up in the middle of the night, you know, having to blow my nose or clean my head out and that kind of thing. Um, so that's just one more instance where urotherapy has been quite helpful. And I, uh, 
just wanted to pass that along from personal experience. Um, it's been amazing. Uh, you know, take it for what it's worth, but it worked for me. And again, getting past the ick factor is always the issue. Um, and it's funny, you know, I have uh, different people that listen to the show and, uh, last week, uh, Nick was on and he, he had heard, uh, back in August of 22, I had played that same video. I do these things over and over from time to time, just because a lot of folks are new and hadn't heard it before, but Nick started doing it back in August of 2022 and had been doing it ever since and was having great results. And then, uh, another listener, um, was fascinated and, um, she is very open, uh, open-minded and basically made a comment in the chat room last week that, uh, if it's going to help me, I'm, I'm all up for it. I'll do it. And of course I played the video by Dr. Group. And then I read some anecdotal things out of a couple of books on urotherapy that I have sitting next to me. And she was fascinated. And I'm sure that she has probably started down that journey now, but, um, Urotherapy has been used by people for hundreds and hundreds of years, and everything, including snake bites and stuff like that. Um, and that's something I found very interesting is that most antivenoms are made uh, from horse urine, where the horses are given doses of a snake venom, and they produce the, the natural antivenoms in their urine. And that's what's used to make the antivenom for people that get snake bit. So why not? You know, and the thing is, is if you have been, I think it said, if you've been doing uh, urotherapy for up to six months and you get bit by a snake, chances are it's not going to bother you at all. Of course, you want to take some extra precautions like, you know, filling a compress with fresh urine and, and putting it on the bite and then drinking some more fresh urine. But, you know, it... Um, We'll take care of it. Now, there's some people out there that oh, I'd rather have the snake bite and not drink my pee. <laughs> okay, that's fine. But for people that want to see what options are and want to avoid allopathic medicine as much as they possibly can, that's what this show's about is presenting options. You know, we have been indoctrinated our entire lives to go to the md for everything the medical deity who basically they're trained in just a handful of things drugs surgery and they're not really trained in vaccines if they were they wouldn't use them they're indoctrinated by telling you they say here's the schedule they're safe and effective go forth and inject that's the training that they get in medical school about vaccines they don't get any of the studies they don't get introduced to um, books that were written in the late 18 and early 1900s showing the absolute disgusting nature of vaccines and what they did especially during the smallpox time um, and they're easy you know you can find these if you go to archive.gov I think it is, or archive.com, I can't remember, but basically it's the, it's, the, it's the Wayback Machine that has all kinds of old books 
and I have several of them that basically, um, you know, show the truth about Edward Jenner, shows the truth about what happens when uh, one really good one, if I can find it here real quick, um, and these are available in free PDF format. Um, I'm looking through here in my list of books. Um, we got vaccination proved work useless and meaningless, which was by uh, Alfred Wallace uh, from 45 years of registrar statistics. And this was a book, uh, let's see, it was written 80, 1889 in London. 45 years of registration statistics proving vaccination to be both useless and dangerous in two parts. And uh, just from uh, part one, smallpox mortality and vaccination, having been led to inquire for myself as to the effects of vaccination in preventing or diminishing smallpox, I have arrived at results as unexpected as they appear to me to be conclusive. The question is one which affects our personal liberty as well as the health and even the lives of thousands. It therefore becomes a duty to endeavor to make the truth known to all, and especially to those who, on the faith of false or misleading statements, have enforced the practice of vaccination by penal laws. I propose now to establish the following four statements of fact by means of the only official statistics which are available, and I shall adopt a mode of presenting these statistics as a whole, which will render them intelligible to all. These statements are, first, that during the 45 years of the registration of deaths and their causes, smallpox mortality has very slightly diminished, while an exceedingly severe smallpox epidemic occurred within the last 12 years of the period. Two, that there is no evidence to show that the slight decrease of smallpox mortality is due to vaccination. Three, that the severity of smallpox as a disease has not been mitigated by vaccination. Four, that several inoculable diseases have increased to an alarming extent coincidentally with enforced vaccination. The first, second, and fourth propositions will be proved from the Registrar General's reports from 1838 to 1882, and I shall make the results clear and indistinguishable by presenting the figures for the whole period in the form of diagrammatic curves, so that no manipulation of them by taking certain years for comparison or by dividing the period in special ways, will be possible. And um, it goes on, they put the graphs in and the whole shoot and match, but this is a reproduction, a PDF, a scan of the entire book, and is very straightforward. And then there's another one that um, is especially graphic, if I can find it here. Um, good heavens. Should be closer to the top. Um, of course, it may be alphabetically, which <laughs> I'm scrolling through here, and hmm, well, that's weird.
Hmm. I'm not able to find it right now, but uh, it's another really, really good book. Uh, it's, it's Horrors of Vaccination Exposed. Um, this might be it. Nope, that's wood ashes. <laughs> uh, goodness gracious. Well, anyway, it is a uh, excellent book, and it shows photographic evidence of basically what uh, what's done the absolutely inhumane treatment received by cattle, which are used to make you know get the cowpox so that they can take the pus from the cowpox, which is actually bovine syphilis, and used to make Jenner's so-called uh, smallpox vaccine. And it was actually written in the 19, early 1920s, I think, or 1900s, and presented to the uh, Secretary of War and the President in an attempt to get them to stop force vaccinating our military. And, of course, we know how well that went over. They just kept doing it and doing it and doing it. And now we've got a bunch of uh, really sick servicemen as a result. And then there is the Poison Needle by Eleanor McBean, which I covered earlier, a 1957 book. And um, some of the topics in here, Chapter 1, The Poison Needle, Where Have the Great Strides of Medical Science Taken Us? <laughs> Further Down the Road to Death. Inside story, vaccination based on a false premise. Vaccination lowers resistance and invites disease. Summarizing the case against vaccination. Smallpox declined before vaccination was enforced. And that's the case of virtually every one of these so-called deadly diseases. That they were almost gone from uh, cleaner, uh, you know, natural uh, uh, public health situations. Uh, situations where better water better sewage better food cleanliness those kind of things are what made the diseases go away and they were almost you know 80 90 almost 100 percent gone before the jabs were rolled out many times like 20 30 years earlier um chart showing disease uh, decrease in smallpox deaths after decline of vaccination uh, statements of health officials regarding vaccine small vaccinated smallpox. Unvaccinated diseases decline faster than vaccinated smallpox. Uh, report from British India, the world's worst record in Mexico. Evidence from Italy. You know, they look at all over the place. Vaccination hit by doctors. And it goes on and on and on. Um other diseases caused by vaccination. <laughs> and that's the thing. All of these things are there. It's free information. And that's the beauty of the internet. You know, it's a double-edged sword, you know, with no question. But when it comes to getting information, and every time I find one of these, I immediately download it and store it on several different hard drives because this is the kind of information they don't want out there and they're doing everything they can to make it all go away so people can't find it so the sooner you find this stuff and archive it the better chance that there will be um, major sources of this information available once they have purged the internet from it
But Poison Needle by Eleanor McBean is another one. Great one on the so-called virus issue is The Contagion Myth by Thomas Cowan, M.D., and Sally Fallon Morell of the Western A. Price Foundation. Um, it just goes on and on and on. I'm surprised. Well, let me do a search here and see if it shows up that way. Um, hmm. Horrors of vaccination exposed. I may not have put it in here, which is kind of odd. Hmm. I guess I didn't. But um, I'm going to do that now. Um, it's a really good, it's one of the first books that I got, you know, of the older, you know, older books. It's been around, you know, obviously it's been around since the 1920s. Um, and it's one of the first ones I came across a long, long time ago. And I've shared it with lots and lots of people because, you know, it's still available, you know, with a simple internet search, um, so I encourage people to find that stuff and uh, get it. And there it is. Just a, getting that imported here. Alrighty. It should be. Hmm. Well, I know it's in here somewhere. <laughs> anyway, um, I encourage you to get a, find a copy of that and uh, archive it and share it with people you know people need to know what's going on here and there's lots and lots of them out there um, in my library there we go here's another one um, Jenner and Vaccination by Charles Creighton and this is a book uh, it's from Google Books University of Michigan Libraries, 1817. <laughs> Jenner and Vaccination, three strange chapter of... There's it's kind of this weird old English writing. Um, strange chapter of medical history. And... I'm looking to see, yeah, 1880... 1889, I think. Got to make it a little bigger here. That's the nice thing about PDFs is if you got a good PDF reader, you can enlarge the print. Yeah, 1889. The objects of this book is to make clear to general readers the steps and the rise and acceptance of Jenner's doctrine and practice of vaccine vaccine inoculation. The ascent of the profession, both at home and abroad, having been given within the first two or three years, the history has been followed most closely for those years. The subsequent establishment, endowment, and enforcement of the doctrine and practice are narrated with less minuteness in the concluding chapters. History being a somewhat strange one, it has been thought desirable to facilitate the facts by full references the events herein narrated and criticized are remote enough for uh, from our own day to have become fitting matter for historical treatment. 
In medicine, new developments of theory and practice are so closely bound up with the legitimate professional standing and repute of their authors that it is always a matter of delicacy to subject them to contemporary criticism of the more rigorous kind. But there need to be no such reserve in dealing with medical affairs that lie well within the limits of history. The medical profession of this country, if it, uh, it is true, has offered no great encouragement to those who would touch even the history with a hand of criticism. In other words, they are not talking about it at all. But the public can hardly be expected to share that pious feeling so far as concerns a practice that is brought home to everyone by the law. In other words, people should be thinking about it because they're being forced to do this. The historical origins or the roots of authority may here be laid bare without compunction. In most other affairs of the past, it is not only permitted to historians, but even expected of them that they leave no stone unturned. Technical language has been avoided as far as possible and has indeed been little needed in dealing with a subject which is a commonplace of every household. Some of the points that the author has been enabled to pass over briefly with a reference to a former book written for his own profession. He has been enabled also to curtail where his immediate precursor in the history of vaccination, Mr. William White, has been most copious. Those who are acquainted with Mr. White's able and accurate historical inquiries will find that the present work, for the most part, covers new ground. Jenner's scientific credit before vaccination. <laughs> um, banks and Cuckoo's expeditions. Hunter's letters. Hibernation. The Cuckoo. The paper of Royal Society. Uh, the, the pox. The smallpox and the cowpox. Jenner's inquiry. The reception for the inquiry, cowpox made mild and acceptable, the variolus test, and it goes on and on and on and on. But basically, um, it's not a really good reflection on Jenner. It basically shows him for the quack that he was. And doctors of the day thought he was a nut job um, and weren't buying any of his stuff at all. Um And I'm just looking through here. Do, 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 do. Hmm. Interesting. For some reason, my book didn't populate. Anyway, um, I encourage you to get any, any books that you can that detail what's going on with vaccinations. Uh, because... It's just one of those things that, um, because of the money behind it, it's not something that you're going to find in this day and age. The other thing that's rather interesting that I've got from, uh, trust me, I'm not a doctor, is they stopped doing testing on trying to infect people. The 1940s, I think, was the last time uh, anyone actually tried to do a um, experiment trying to make people sick that were healthy from the body fluids of people that were sick. And pretty much they did that, or they stopped doing it, because there have been plenty of tests done ahead of time, 
And well, there's two reasons. Number one, there's been lots of tests done that proved that it wasn't possible. And if you conduct a study saying that, uh, or that you know, trying to prove that people can be made sick by injecting or being exposed to the fluids from someone who was sick, um, and it's not a success, that's a study that many times the powers that be don't want to get out there. You know, they want these things to be erased from the mind of the common person and primarily from them never knowing about it. And then even if they do hear about it, they want to make sure that you forget because it flies in the face of what they're trying to do, which is get rich based on a lie. And another really good book, and this is available on my website as a free download, PDF download, um, is called Murder by Injection, The Story of the Medical Conspiracy Against America by Eustace Mullins. And again, that's on my website under the support info tab. Um, encourage you to go there and download it. But basically, contents of his book, The Medical Monopoly, Quacks on Quackery, The Prophets of Cancer, death and vaccination then we get into fluoridation conspiracy aids the action of fertilizers contamination of the food supply the drug test and the rockefeller syndicate 310 page pdf or it's longer than that chapter 10 starts at 310 um but eustace mullins was ahead of his time and he covers all kinds of stuff in here. Just absolutely amazing stuff. Um, I'm just trying to find the... Uh, hmm. Well, I'm going to have a hard time. Ah, there it is. The Rockefeller Syndicate. Many American conservatives believe as a matter of faith that the Rockefellers and the Council on Foreign Relations exercise absolute control over the government and the people of the United States. This thesis can be accepted as a working formula if one remains conscious of the larger issues. Two writers for whom the present writer has great respect, Dr. Emanuel Josephson and Morris Beale, insisted on focusing on the Rockefellers and excluding all other aspects of the world order. This severely limited the effect of their otherwise groundbreaking work on the medical monopoly. This writer advanced a contrary view in the, uh, in the world order, fixing upon the, Rockatel, Ro the Rothschild monetary power, which reached the point of world control by 1885, and its London Policy Group, the Royal Institute of International Affairs, as the policymakers for what has essentially been, since 1900, a reestablished colonial government in the United States. Ooh. The colonial or occupation government functions primarily through the Council on Foreign Relations, but only as the subsidiary of RIIA and through the Rockefeller Foundation, which controls government functions, the educational establishments, the media, the religious and state legislatures. 
It's true that the American colonials have free elections in which they are or have the absolute right to vote for one of two opposing candidates, both of whom have been handpicked and financed by the Rockefeller Syndicate. This touching evidence of democracy serves to convince most Americans that we are indeed a free people. We even have a cracked Liberty Bell in Philadelphia to prove it. American youths have been free since 1900 to be marched off to die in Hegelian Wars, in which both combatants received their instructions from the world order. We are free to invest in a stock market in which the daily quantity, price, and value of the monetary unit is manipulated and controlled by a Federal Reserve System, which is answerable only to the Bank of England. It has maintained its vaunted independence from our government control, but this is the only independence it ever had. And, I mean, it goes on and on and on, but this is an amazing work that, um, you know, people need to be aware of. But, yeah, Eustace Mullins was ahead of his time. We actually had him in Columbus years ago at a uh, conference that I helped uh, set up, and it was really cool having him there. Anyway, um, just wanted to bring that stuff up and uh, talk a little bit more about it. I still can't figure out what happened to that uh, book that I'm looking for. <laughs> but anyway, um, I'm not sure what's going on there. But it is what it is. So check out uh, check out last Thursday show if you didn't catch it. because Or, you know, like I said, go to uh, YouTube, find Dr. Group, Dr. Edward Group, and check out his videos on urine therapy. Um, it's amazing stuff. And like I said, you know, I was blowing my nose and having tons of pink snot coming out for a couple of weeks. And, uh, within a day, less than 24 hours of starting to use the inhaled urine, uh, through that little atomizer bottle, um, it was gone. And, uh, I've been breathing freely ever since. Great stuff. And it's your own perfect medicine, as Martha M. Christie uh, titled her book. Great stuff. Um, the other thing that I've uh, been having fun with is the carnivore diet, or lifestyle, I think it is, because most people, once they get on it, they don't want to stop it because the results are so good. And if you have uh, issues like high blood pressure, type 2 diabetes, um, psoriasis, eczema, things like that, People are getting fantastic results by switching to this uh, meal plan, which is simp simply eating nothing but animal products. You know, beef, pork, chicken, fish, you know, lamb, you know, deer, venison, whatever, and uh, dairy and eggs. Um, I have... Uh, been talking about for the last couple of years the thought that i wanted to lose about 20 25 pounds and get back to my retirement weight uh that i you know when i retired from the police department in 96 i weighed uh, between 170 175 pounds and uh, i had gotten up to 240 and then when i uh, got involved with longevity really started getting into it in uh, 2012 
between uh, April 2012 and May of 2013, I dropped a total of 70 pounds without really trying, uh, just changing my uh, what I was eating, basically cutting out the bad foods and giving my body the nutritional supplementation it needed. And the, the weight fell off. I wasn't doing exercising or anything like that. Uh, just walking from my car to my office and back. And uh, the weight disappeared. And uh, after, you know, since May of 2013, I'd, I gained a little back. I was right around 200. And um, so I, I thought, you know, I want to get back down to where I was. I much more, I felt better and all that, slept better and everything. And uh, when I started doing the carnivore program back in late October, I think it was the 23rd of October, uh, since then, just eating, you know, meats and dairy and chicken and eggs and that kind of stuff, I've dropped 15 pounds so far. This morning I got on the scales 180, and I started at 195 uh, back in October. So I'm down to 180, and... Uh, Another 5 to 10 pounds, which I figure will probably come off in the next month or so. Again, without doing anything else, just changing what I'm eating. Um, my sleep has gotten so much better. Uh, generally, sleeping through the night, for the most part, uh, if I get up, it's usually once. Uh, most of the time, it's because the dogs wake me up and want to go out, so I just go to the bathroom while I'm taking care of them. But um, sleeping much better, much more soundly. Um, joints feel better, you know, everything is really improved. And I have no, uh, no negatives to report at all. And I actually, uh, yesterday was the first time I kind of fell off the wagon, you might say, uh, since around Thanksgiving. Because my wife made Christmas cookies. And she also made something I really, really like is toffee. And uh, last night I broke down and had a couple of pieces of toffee and a, a single cookie. Um, and oddly enough, it didn't affect, you know, I was actually a little lighter this morning than I was yesterday. Uh, which normally if I eat something that's got a lot of sugar in it, uh, it throws me off. And the next day I'm about a pound and a half heavier. But thank goodness that didn't happen yesterday. Um, I got up this morning, I was about a half a pound lighter than, uh, yesterday. And, um, I'm hoping that in the next day or so, um, because she took the cookies to work this morning, thank goodness. So those are all out of the house. For some reason, she did not take all the, um, toffee. So we got to do something about that. <laughs> but otherwise I've been eating nothing but, um, you know, animal products. And it has really, really helped. Uh, I feel better, sleep better. I think I've had uh, people uh, the other day, I had a guy tell me, man, you're losing weight and your skin looks better. You're, you're, you're glowing. I said, I think it's just the lighting in the room here. <laughs> but, um, you know, people are actually noticing and mentioning that I'm looking different um, and that kind of thing, looking better. I said, well, I feel better, so that's good. But um, if you have not 
looked into the carnivore diet, I sincerely suggest you consider it, especially this time of year, because people, you know, tend to eat a lot of stuff that they shouldn't during the holidays. And at the same time, this is cold and flu season from like October to March in the Northern Hemisphere. That's cold and flu season. And it's not because there's bugs out there that you're going to catch your death of cold if you go outside and all. It's because people tend to overdo crappy foods this time of year, along with all the other toxins that are being dumped on us. And I firmly believe that what's going around right now, there's some kind of creeping crud that a lot of people are dealing with. And um, they're, you know, it's hitting everybody slightly differently. But basically, it's a cold, and occasionally some folks will get a little fever thrown in on top of it and kind of like achiness for a day or so, uh, almost like a combination cold flu kind of a thing. And it's, it's a combination of all this stuff that we're putting on our bodies, and I think the results of things that are being put in the chemtrails. I think we are being hit with, you know, sprayed with toxins, and this has been going on for years, but I think they just changed the formula. And uh, it's probably another experiment. Let's see what happens if we put this stuff into the mix then that gets sprayed on us. And sure enough, you know, people are outside doing things, chopping Christmas trees and whatever. And next thing you know, they've got some kind of creeping crud. You know, I, I experienced something, like I said, a couple of weeks ago. It was just some stuffiness and my voice was hoarse you know other than that i felt fine um and just doing more of the usual adding in uh, some extra stuff in my supplement lineup i knocked it out in no time but um other folks you know i had a guy at church who thinks he's got covid not sure why but he's been sick for a little over a week and uh, apparently it's hitting him pretty hard and again, these are people that are on the standard or the sad or the crappy American diet and uh, don't know any better and unfortunately don't want to know any better. You know, it's really sad that most people I talk to, <clears throat> you know, if I say, hey, I've got some information that you may help you feel better, might help your health. Only one and maybe 40 or so will actually take me up on it the rest not so much they're happy eating the crap they eat and don't want to change anything and i said okay you know i'm not trying to force anybody to do anything i'm just trying to make sure that if they're looking for options that i try and help them find them um and unfortunately not too many people are and that's a sad commentary on today's uh, situation you know and it's all part of the system people are um, beat down by the system you know they're working two three four jobs trying to make ends meet and the last thing they want to do when they get done with all their jobs is think about anything consider anything um, and think that maybe what they're doing could possibly be improved upon and i i understand that i was in that boat for quite some time it wasn't until i was able to get retired and start really started looking at things especially because i at that point i was 
under the care of a medical deity and or I should say abuse and my health was going south pretty quickly and I have always leaned towards natural things as much as possible um, whenever possible and as a result you know when when things presented themselves and the big turning point in my life was back in 96 when somebody at a survival show gave me a, a cassette tape called dead doctors don't lie by dr joel wallach and that changed my life literally what he had to say just made so much sense and rang so true that i engaged in about a man what was it 14 year journey trying to find him um because that was the thing you know back when he made that recording he didn't specifically mention any products he just talked about the importance of the 90 essential nutrients and other companies because it was a non-specific uh recording other companies were bootlegging his recordings and using it to sell their substandard products and the guy I got it from had not put any contact information on it. So I don't, I didn't know who he was or where it came from or anything. And I just had to track down Dr. Wallach. And I, you know, over the years I gotten two or three of those different tapes from different people uh, in the course of doing our survival shows. And, uh, it wasn't until 2010 that I found Dr. Wallach on Genesis communications network doing his radio show called dead doctors don't lie. And I started listening to it. And again, it made so much sense. And of course, then uh, people would call in and have, uh, you know, tell them what was wrong. And he'd give them recommendations on what products they should take. And then a month or two or three later, they'd call back in saying how much better they were. I said, hmm, sounds interesting. And my first thing was in 2010 when I first found out about them, I ordered a bottle of minerals and didn't really. Uh, it was a half-hearted attempt and I didn't get a lot of results, which is not surprising. But in 2012, you know, my health was really going down. I had AFib and my heart was going all kinds of weird. And, um, I can remember sitting in church one day and my, I could feel my heart. It felt like it was jumping around in my chest, trying out for the Olympic gymnastics team. And, sitting there like i said i've been sitting there for quite some time so it wasn't you know extending you know it wasn't uh, exerting myself or anything and i decided to take my pulse and what really scared me was my heart would be beating along and then it would just stop and then a few seconds later it would start back up again and that scared me and at that point i decided okay i'm i'm not waiting any longer I'm going to do what I need to do. And I had some gold that I bought, you know, back in the late nineties, you know, for $280 an ounce. <laughs> and I sold one of the coins and had enough money to buy several months worth of products. And I did. And within 30 days, everything, but my bone on bone needs knees was fixed. Sensitive teeth, floaters in the eyes, sciatica um afib high blood pressure i was 185 over 120 for about five or six years doctor kept wanting to put me on drugs and i wouldn't do it uh gastric reflux 
and I got the products on April 22nd of 2012. That was the day my life changed. And in no time, my gastric reflux was gone. I stopped taking Prilosec the same day I started taking these products. And it takes about seven days for that kind of for proton pump inhibitors to get out of your system. And it's about the same amount of time it takes for the nutrients to start working properly. And because of that, there was some overlap there. And I had no problem whatsoever with gastric reflux ever since. And that's just amazing to me. Um, before, swallowing water was like swallowing fire. And after, no problem. Within 30 days, my blood pressure was 99 over 77. Um, the floaters in my eyes were gone. Uh, sciatica was gone. Uh, it took 90 days to rebuild my knees so I could throw away my cane and stop limping. And to this day, I still have my own God-given equipment. No replacements, no nothing. The joints are still here. And um, it's just been an improvement. You know, I, I feel better every day. And I'm one. Of, I'm very one of the few. I'm 66 years old. Uh, I don't have Dunlap's disease. When my shirt's tucked in, I can see my belt buckle. And before in 2012, when I looked down, all I saw was belly. I knew I had feet, but I hadn't seen them in a while. And in 45 days of cutting out grains, all of that belly disappeared. It was amazing. And uh, that has maintained ever since. Uh, all the, the big gut and all that just disappeared. So, I, you know, my, my stomach's flat. Um, my blood pressure's normal to this day. Um, everything has just gotten better and better and better, which is unusual for someone my age. I don't take any drugs at all. The only thing I ever did take was, was the Prilosec for my uh, gastric reflux. And again, I stopped that the same day I started the nutrients. And it's just been amazing. It just shows you the power of giving your body what it needs to maintain proper health so it can take care of itself. And that's the thing. Um, you can't go to the grocery store or the health food store and buy supplements that are going to do this you cannot do it it's impossible because most supplements are garbage at best you know i've seen lately um this product called ag1 and uh, it started out with uh, some folks that i follow you know sailing channels that i follow on youtube They've been advertising it. Uh, AG1's been sponsoring their, their channels for the last year or two. And they talk about how much better they feel and all this stuff. Not a one of them has ever, ever said anything. The problem that I had before is now gone. They talk about having more energy and that kind of stuff, which is, you know, to be expected. Because it's as far as an energy drink, and which is basically what it is, it's like a green drink, but it's, you know, one scoop and eight ounces of water, and they claim it gives you everything you need. Of course, it's only about 75 nutrients, so you're 15 short of what's required. And then, of course, 
you're not getting the majestic earth plant derived minerals which longevity products are made with and are the only source found on planet earth so far that have all 60 essential minerals in plant derived form um not to mention the fact that one little scoop of this stuff is not going to give you the calcium and magnesium that you need there might be a little bit in there but i've gone on their website and looked at the ingredients and for a green drink it's not bad but it is nowhere near complete like most of these people think and are led to believe and that's the difference between science-based clinically verified medical nutrition that is formulated and put together by the guy that literally wrote the book on nutrition which is in a in the uh, national archives or the smithsonian institute as a national treasure I'll stick with Dr. Wallach's products because he's the guy that wrote the book. All these other companies are just trying to come up with something to make some money. The difference is when you take longevity products and you take them in the right amount for your body weight, you will actually see the reversal of chronic health issues, something you do not get with AG1 or any of these other Johnny-come-latelys. You know, like I said, they're, they're not a bad little energy green drink or whatever, but there is a big difference between um, a supplement that will make you give you a little more energy as opposed to science-based clinically verified medical nutrition that will help your body reverse chronic health conditions. Nobody mentioned that their blood pressure is better or their type 2 diabetes is gone or anything else with AG1 or any of these other products because they won't do that. But this stuff, longevity products, will. We'll actually put it this way. Your body will reverse these things when you give it the longevity products that provide the stuff that your body needs to fix itself. So, and that's one of the things I have to use as a caveat along with the carnivore diet. Um, probably one of the biggest mistakes that everybody makes on any diet plan i first saw it with the uh, with the ketogenic plan and now with carnivore all the proponents including the doctors who don't know anything about nutrition um are claiming that you'll get everything you need just by eating the carnivore diet you don't need to supplement but in the second breath, they're talking, well, I had some kind of issue and I used vitamin D to fix it or I got zinc to fix it or I did this or, you know, iodine or whatnot. You know, they're all admitting that they have nutrient deficiencies that are causing problems that they solve by fractionated nutrition, taking one thing at a time. I don't care what diet program you're doing. It is literally impossible to get the nutrients you need for your body to function at top performance without supplementation. It cannot be done, period. Carnival won't do it. Ketogenic won't do it. Paleolithic won't do it. Nothing will. And definitely vegetarianism or veganism will not do it, period. You cannot get what you need simply by eating food. You must supplement and for anyone who is considering a change in diet, please, at the very least, supplement with 
Longevity's plant-derived minerals appropriate for your body weight. One quart bottle per 100 pounds of body weight. If you do just that, you're getting 60 out of the 90 or two-thirds and the most difficult nutrients to come by because minerals only come from the soil. And if the minerals aren't in the soil, they won't be in the food. And our farmland's been depleted of nutritional minerals since 1936 or earlier, according to Senate Document 264. And you can get some vitamins, some amino acids, some essential fatty acids from food. But you're not going to get the 60 minerals you need unless you supplement And if you simply do that along with the carnivore diet, you will get far better results and quicker than you would if you were just doing the carnivore diet by itself. Guaranteed. And the nice thing is, is even though they're the most difficult to get, they're also the least expensive part. You know, the 90 essential nutrients in in a good form, like in a healthy body start pack, is going to cost you about 130 bucks. For one, for 100 pounds of body weight. A bottle of plant-derived minerals is right now, I think, $24. So they're inexpensive, and they are also the most difficult to get. So if you're going to do anything and you're on a tight budget, just by avoiding the center section of the grocery store, not buying all the stuff in the cans, the boxes, the Mylar bags, the Frankenfoods, you will save enough money that you can afford to buy a couple of bottles of plant divide minerals per month. And if you do it on auto ship, you'll get free shipping. And because the stuff's liquid, that can save you a fair amount of money. A single bottle is going to cost about eight bucks, between six and eight bucks to ship to you. So if you do it on a monthly auto ship, you'll save, you know, if you're doing just one bottle, six to eight bucks. If you're doing two, probably at least 12 or 13 so that makes it worth it and if you happen to be in some of the states that don't put taxes on it then all you're paying for is the product itself and that's a great thing but i highly recommend especially like i said this is beginning you know we're coming up on the end of the year the end of 2023 the beginning of 2024 now's the time a lot of people are making new year's resolutions and probably 60 to 70 percent minimum those people are usually the ones one of the first things at the top is to lose weight that's always a biggie especially you know because of all the crap that we've consumed in the last month or so so if you're content concerned about losing weight one of the best things you can do and one of the easiest ways to do it is to switch to the carnivore lifestyle and start supplementing because your hunger pains are caused not by lack of calories it's caused by a lack of nutrition especially minerals and one of the best things you can do to help when you're switching from one diet plan to another is put the minerals in there which will greatly curtail the hunger pains you know i eat once a day on average usually around five or six o'clock in the afternoon and I'm never hungry to say to 
you know, every once in a while I'll, I'll get some hunger pains, but very seldom. I eat because I know I need to. It's time to feed myself. A lot of people live to eat. They're constantly considering what their next meal is going to be. To me, eating is nothing more than just maintaining. It allows me 23 hours out of the day to work on everything that's important. I spend half an hour to an hour a day preparing and eating my one meal. And with that, my my height and weight are, what's the word? Um, anyway, it's where it should be, basically. I don't have any health issues, no high blood pressure, no type 2 diabetes. My vision is fine. Um, everything works. <laughs> That's a great thing. And uh, I highly recommend that uh, if you're considering a change in your lifestyle, if you want to lose weight or improve your sleep or anything else, give the uh, carnivore lifestyle a shot. Try it for 90 days. You know, that'll give you enough time to see results for one thing and to decide whether it's something you want to do on a regular basis. You know, some people just do it for a while and they go back to the old way and then they later on they'll, and that's the thing. It's, it's kind of a yo-yo thing when you do that, because if you do it for a while, you're going to lose weight and you're going to feel better. And then when you go back to the old way of doing things, this, the crappy American, the sick American diet, sad, you know, all that stuff's going to come back. You're going to gain weight back. You're going to start feeling crummy again. You're not going to sleep as well. And then you go back on carnivore and everything gets better. So why not just stick with it? Now that <laughs> makes more sense, at least to me. And there are people that have been doing this for 10, 12, 13, 14 years where all they have eaten during that time is meat and dairy. And they feel fantastic. They don't have any health issues. Um, if you want to see an amazing case, go on YouTube and look up uh, Kelly Hogan. She is absolutely amazing. When she was in her 20s, she weighed 260 pounds, and she got her doctor told her she had to lose weight, get on the carnivore diet, and in no time at all, she had lost 120 pounds, I think. She now weighs about 140 at five foot nine, which is pretty good for somebody that size. She's had three babies, breastfed them all during the time that she was only eating meat, and they are in fantastic shape. They're all healthy, um, good-looking, the whole shooting match. And she looks like a swimsuit model in her 40s. Just absolutely amazing body. She looked like Goodyear blimp <laughs> when she was in her 20s. Um, just, you know, stating facts. You know, she admitted way overweight. It was always a problem. Cookies, cakes, all that kind of stuff. She gave that stuff up, and now all she eats is meat and dairy. And my goodness, you would not believe that they're the same people when you see side-by-side -side pictures. So I encourage you to check it out. Uh, especially, like I said, if you're making New Year's resolutions, thinking about changing some things, getting healthier, working out, whatever. Uh, if you're going to work out, you definitely need to supplement. Exercise without supplementation is suicide. you got to remember that. And unfortunately, 
people when they're young and they're exercising. I was the same way too, stupid. When you're exercising, your body's releasing endorphins. It makes you feel like you're on top of the world. You feel fantastic. Everything's fine. It's not until you have done that for 20 years that the body starts, you start taking it, to, the exercise takes its toll. You end up with joint problems. You end up with uh, blood sugar issues, blood pressure issues, because you have to realize when you're exercising and you're sweating, sweat is not just water coming out. It's a soup of all the nutrients your body needs to stay healthy, or at least the ones you still have in you. And if you're not replacing them uh, as fast as they are coming out, you are going to have all kinds of health problems prop up. And drinking Gatorade or Powerade is not going to do the job because that's two crappy nutrients and a whole lot of sugar. You need 90 nutrients. We actually have a sports drink that was developed uh, with Theo Ratliff, the NBA All-Star, and uh, he developed or helped develop this stuff so that basically if he's drinking this during a game, he can play 100% full out the whole time and never lose steam. It has 105 nutrients in it, including phytonutrients and all kinds of things that help you, especially when you're exerting. It's basically replacing the sweat that you're losing. And it's amazing stuff. It's called Rebound FX. If you're working out a lot, that's something you should have in a water bottle with you the whole time and be sipping on it as you go. And otherwise, the 90 Essential Nutrients, the Healthy Body Start Pack, or the Mighty 90 Packs, or anything like that, where you're getting the 90 nutrients, preferably, preferably appropriate for your body weight. Um, that is the best possible thing you can do for a New Year's resolution. If you want to change your health, it will help you reverse anything. If you got high blood pressure, if you got type 2 diabetes, these things with a few little add-ons in some cases, will provide your body with what's necessary so that the body can fix itself. It can get the blood sugar under control. It can get the blood pressure under control. And switching over to the carnivore diet will automatically eliminate things from your diet that are causing the problems. You know, at the turn of the last century, people were eating a half a pound of sugar a year. Today, people eat half a pound of sugar a day which is why we have such rampant type 2 diabetes. And it used to be called adult onset because you didn't see it in people until they were 40 or 50 years old or older. Today, we have 8- and 10-year-olds with type 2 diabetes because of all the sugar they consume on a regular basis. When you go on a carnivore diet, one of the main things you're doing is cutting out all sources of sugar. You know, you're still going to get a little bit because you do need some. But you will naturally get the little bit that you need from the foods that you consume. But all the excess stuff that was causing the problems is going to be gone. You're going to cut out the grains, which are going to cut out the uh, problems with gluten intolerance, which will then deal with the skin conditions that a lot of people have. Um, a lot of fantastic things happen, and a lot of people get a lot of great results when they switch just because they're cutting out the foods that are causing the problems in the first place. So I encourage you to take a look at those things. You know, if you have questions, you know, get on the, uh, get on the free conference call uh, thing during the shows and call in and ask questions. 
um, just uh, just do that and uh, you'll have fantastic results but with that we are out of time and uh, I will be back uh, one o'clock today on the same platform and again on Thursday same uh, 10 a.m. Eastern uh, hope to see you then take care of your body because it's the only place you have to live we'll see you soon take care and God bless you